When you picture someone who receives health care assistance through a government program, what kind of person comes to mind? Someone living in a country with a robust national health care system will probably have a different answer than the average American. And that's because there's a lot of cultural and even moral confusion about public health care here in the U.S. The rhetoric here in the States often fails to take compassion into account, and that can put millions of lives at risk. So I talked with two policy advocates who've created a campaign to put the humanity back in our conversations about health care. And I asked them what people like you and me can do to help the cause. I'm Josh Morgan, and this is The Plural of You, the podcast about people helping people. I'm a data analyst and sociologist living in Baltimore, Maryland, and I produce this podcast for people who aren't ready to give up on humanity yet. There are lots of problems in the world, but I'm building an archive of solutions. I talk with leaders who have dedicated themselves to improving the lives of others, and I'm collecting their advice in case you'd like to make a difference too. Christy Kane and Evie Bell-Owen are two of those leaders. Chrissy is the executive director of a nonprofit organization called Alabama Children First, which is based in Alabama State Capitol of Montgomery. And Evie is a communications consultant down the road in Mobile. Chrissy and Evie have worked together to advocate for children's health policies for several years, mostly on efforts affecting Alabama's Medicaid program. Now, Medicaid is something that's mentioned in the news and politics every day, but what the program represents isn't always made clear. So here's a quick summary. Medicaid is a public insurance program in the U.S., and it's based on federal laws that guarantee health coverage for qualifying groups, mostly families earning lower incomes, but also many who are elderly and those with disabilities, women who are pregnant, and children. It's funded through a mix of federal and some state funds. Part of the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, that's been so controversial, has called for expanding funding for these programs. But the Supreme Court has ruled that each state can decide whether or not to participate. And Alabama is one of the states that's chosen not to expand its Medicaid program this way. Some providers and recipients complain that Medicaid isn't as effective as other insurance arrangements, but millions of Americans still depend on it to live. One in five Americans and a third of American children receive some sort of assistance from the program. In Alabama, which ranks 46 out of the 50 states in terms of poverty, About a quarter of all residents and over half of all children depend on it. The role of Alabama Children First in all of this is to defend every dollar that's budgeted for children's health programs in the state every year. Christy Kane. We were formed when some juvenile judges met and said, hey, we've got a lot of great programs in the state of Alabama, but we don't really have a way to fund them. And so what they decided is, is of course, in the Alabama State House is where we make decisions on funding. So they said, we need a child lobbyist whose main purpose is to go up there and speak for children. Right now, I'm the only registered lobbyist in the state of Alabama that's primary client is children. During the legislative session, my life is all about being up at the state house. You know, you've got committee meetings, you've got late nights, sometimes you've got short days. It just depends. Evie is, in the meantime, working to support those efforts I'm doing up at the state house, designing flyers for um, legislators, educate them on what we're talking about, checking social media to see kind of what the pulse is surrounding political issues. On the off time, when we're not in session, we're raising money. So that's that. That's kind of how our year is divided up. Legislators in Alabama meet every spring to review the state's budget. 
The state funds the bulk of its health insurance programs through a general fund, meaning that they have to compete with programs from other social service sectors for the same pot of money. Because of that, legislators scrutinize every program, hoping that they can trim away excess to spend on something else. In 2016, they circled around Medicaid. We were looking at a hole in Alabama of about $85 million for Medicaid. And they were trying to figure out a way to make up this $85 million. And our governor, our former governor, decided that the first cut he would make would be $15 million to pediatricians here in the state of Alabama. Evie and I had been talking a lot about public perception of Medicaid. And I told Evie, I said, Evie, you know what? We need to do a marketing campaign around the word Medicaid. I said, because what's happened is it's become twisted. It's become twisted. People have a false perception about who receives Medicaid, why we have it. And so we were just discussing it. And Evie came up with this fantastic idea about how to get that message across. Evie Bell-Owen. I knew that we were going to have to do something, but we weren't going to have the money, you know, to put forth a million dollar campaign. And it just popped in my head. I am Medicaid. I loved the idea of somebody just holding a sign that says, I am Medicaid. This is what it looks like. It's not that idea that you have in your head of somebody, you know, sitting at home on the couch all day, not working, not doing anything, you know, not contributing to society. These are members of society who do contribute, who do have very good things about them. And that's how the I Am Medicaid campaign got started. Evie wanted to ask healthcare providers to take photos of patients who received assistance from Medicaid, with each holding a piece of paper stating, I am Medicaid. Then she would ask the providers to share the photos on social media, with permission from the patients or their parents, of course, using the hashtag, I am Medicaid. Even though the idea was simple, it caught on pretty quickly across the state and at just the right time. It just kind of, within a week, I think we had everything up and running. We had a website within 24 hours, and we had our social media champion who really kicked off the campaign was one of our board members, Dr. Marsha Rollerson. She's a pediatrician here in Alabama and lower Alabama, but she really loved the idea, latched onto it and started running with it. She had her pictures first started rolling in within, I guess, about a week. And that really kicked off the campaign. Shortly after that, I think, is when they did pass the budget that was $85 million short. And then we knew we were going to have the summer to really ramp up our efforts before we had a special session coming up that fall. And so we really geared our efforts around that list of cuts. Who was going to be affected? What was going to happen? What would their lives look like if those cuts went into effect? We did some press conferences for a week. We went to different cities all around the state, and that garnered so much media attention. That was when we started sending the emails to legislators over about a three-week span between those press conferences and then the special session. So I'm assuming the campaign started with like service providers posting most of the photos, but can anyone get on and post? Anyone can get on. The awesome thing about Twitter is as long as you use a hashtag, everybody will see it when they click on that hashtag. I'll see it. Now, Facebook's a little bit more tricky because of Facebook's privacy settings. But there was a lot of times that I saw people that did have their profiles on Facebook set to public 
I would read the comments on their pictures and there would be several people saying, wow, I didn't realize you were on Medicaid. You know, I really respect you as a person and I didn't realize this. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you for educating me. So that was really cool to see that. And people would email us. Sometimes people would share the picture, but then they would email us and say, hey, I want to you know, give you a longer explanation of my story um, or my son's story or my child's story. We got some unbelievable stories that were a little bit longer than what they could fit in a post. I've kept most of those on the website. You can find those on our website. Is there a service that someone commonly receives on Medicaid that maybe they wouldn't receive if they didn't have access to Medicaid? Does that make sense? From a children's standpoint, there's child wellness visits where it's kind of preventative care that a child goes in and is seen, and it really enables a child, if there's any kind of problems, um, for us to be proactive in that situation. So, yes, that's something I can think of. And, of course, I mean, if they don't have Medicaid, they're not going to have the care they need to get better if they get catastrophically sick or they break their arm or they break their leg or they hurt themselves falling out of a tree playing for children. The elderly, of course, is a little bit different, but our focus has mainly been children. One thing that I've seen is the amount of people who have said that they have, you know, some amount of private insurance, but it wasn't a, you know, it was just the lowest bottom level insurance that they could possibly afford. And that without that Medicaid um, boost, that they wouldn't have access to, you know, different services. And it's usually people and children who have very severe medical issues or multiple medical issues. But there are several stories that I've seen come in where it's a caregiver, like a grandparent or an aunt or somebody, and they have private insurance, they work, but they can't put their child on their insurance because they're not that child's parent. So there's a lot of issues like that. There's a lot of little loopholes like that where the child or the elderly person can't get regular insurance for a few different reasons um, or don't have a good level of private insurance. And without Medicaid, they'd have nothing. So what's been the response to the I Am Medicaid campaign so far? It's been really good. Um, Here in the last um, several weeks, we've actually, there have been national organizations that have reached out wanting to replicate the I Am Medicaid campaign. Um, There's a national organization called Community Catalyst that does a lot of um, advocacy work throughout the nation. They're going to be presenting about the idea I Am Medicaid. The state of Georgia has contacted us. They're doing I Am Medicaid GA, um, North Carolina I Am Medicaid NC. Evie put together a toolkit so states could easily access this information. So what we're recommending is each state uses their abbreviation as they're setting up their I Am Medicaid. The long-term goal is I Am Medicaid that we actually have right now, that becomes the national platform for discussion. The immediate response when we came out with this in April, of course, we were dealing with our legislature and the response was pretty good, pretty decent within that circle. And it it took a little while to get to all of them, to reach all of them. But we did things like we made flyers and put them on all their doors that had the pictures. And Christy had this brilliant idea one morning. We just picked some of the best pictures, some of the most powerful pictures that we've gotten so far, and we blew them up to 24 by 36 and posted them on uh, poster boards, huge poster boards. Every time that there was a committee meeting that was going to be talking about the budget, 
anytime they were going to be talking about Medicaid, we would line the halls with these poster boards. So they had to look at the faces as much as possible. What I started noticing is not just from I am Medicaid, but from many advocates in the state, our, our leadership started getting the importance of Medicaid and how it will trickle down Alabama's health care system. It doesn't just affect Medicaid patients. It affects the entire health care system for the state. So gradually, I think we were a part of changing that conversation. But I started noticing um, people sometimes that weren't as supportive of Medicaid suddenly understanding uh, the ramifications of what they were about to do. Absolutely. It did make a difference. I really do think it did. I think it changed the conversation. I think it's continuing to because this year they did something really incredible um, with the budget this year. And they actually held back almost $100 million for this upcoming year's budget um, because they knew that they were going to need it. Things like that, I don't know if they would have been on their priority list as much if we hadn't started this conversation. Where does the stigma around receiving Medicaid and services like Medicaid come from? I mean, do you have any insight that might help people understand? You know, as human beings, we like to put things in a box. It's so much easier when you put things in a box and and you go, OK, well, that's an entitlement. If people maybe just worked harder, they provided more opportunity for themselves. They wouldn't be in this situation. Um, I don't necessarily think that Alabamians as a population are um, non-empathetic people. I just think that it's easy to put people into a box. But what I have found about Alabamians is, is when they actually meet the person that's affected face to face, they suddenly are some of the most empathetic and generous people you could possibly imagine. I I truly believe that. I think that sometimes we can sound tough in how we discuss these situations and poverty and the poor, but then when you're faced with it, um, Alabamians tend to rise to the occasion. That's why I think this became so effective in Alabama, because I think when they saw the faces, they were like, okay, we've been worrying so much about this money, but we've got to remember there's ripple effects in actual people's lives. I try not to look at it as a partisan issue. I try to look at it more as just an education and empathy, maybe an education in someone else's um, circumstances that they walk. I think it's especially important for children receiving these services because a lot, I mean, they can't make these choices that, you know, get pinned on all these other stereotypes. No. I mean, a child can't pick himself up by his bootstraps and go get a different job, can he? Exactly. We don't choose what we're born into. Of course, even I work every day to try to make things better for children in the state, and so do our board members and other advocates that are awesome people. But at the end of the day, that child has to walk that road. All we can do is try to help them become successful adults. And the elderly can't either. The elderly can't go out and just get a new That's job a and get health care. I mean, and in Alabama, I think it's like 87% of our recipients are children, the blind or disabled, and the elderly. So it's not as if Alabama, we did not expand. You know, So we have a very lean, mean machine when it comes to Medicaid. We don't have a lot of extra services, things like that. I was going to say that about the elderly, too. We got one story that was so wonderful It's a 105 maybe year old uh, woman. Her daughter posted it on Facebook and said that, you know, her mother was responsible, that she had saved, that she had um, taught for 40 years and that she had retirement and that she had saved for that. But she didn't expect to live so long. She didn't expect to. I remember that one. Yeah. And she said, so Medicaid had to step in. It's people like that, that they have a story that's not what a lot of people's mindset was of a Medicaid recipient. You know, Evie, that's funny that you said that because 
I think it's really important to talk about the stories, and I think it's important for people to understand that uh, many of their friends and neighbors, especially when it comes to the elderly, they're going to have to depend on Medicaid to take care of their mom and dad when they get older. I mean, our nursing homes are very expensive. Most people cannot pay for that private out-of-pocket. And even if you can, the money's going to be exhausted really quickly. So it's a, it's a situation that many of us are going to find ourselves in. And in Alabama, yes, we have over 58% of kids on Medicaid, but our elderly cost more to take care of, which makes logical sense. And as a society, we have to decide if we want to continue that because our elderly population is only going to grow. And, you know, if that is a priority, then we need to make sure that we make it a priority in our spending, in, in our, just in our discussion around health care. Based on your experience, you know, both of you doing the work that you do, do you know of any good ways that people could get involved in helping to remove this stigma? I think it's going to depend on people more and more people participating in the campaign. And I think that right now, healthcare is on everyone's minds. I just got an email from Community Catalyst before we began talking about the, the repeal, repealing and replacing of Obamacare and how that is going to probably be fast-tracked this month and voted on by the end of the month by the Senate. Um, wow. So it has become something that's on everyone's mind. So really, time is of the essence right now, Josh. People need to be posting and talking. And when someone makes assumptions or make statements about Medicaid that you know are not correct, figuring out a way to talk to that person and, and, and maybe point them to this campaign, say, you know, there's a human cost to this, especially in Alabama, explain to them that it is not someone that just sits at home and chooses not to work this able body that's a Medicaid recipient in the state of Alabama. Every state's going to have a different story to tell. I think it's important for these other states, this I am Medicaid stuff's kind of happening organically. I think it could explode. And when that happens, you know, there's no way to really control that. You know, right. It has to grab the right person at the right time. And we've had a few people nibble at it. But I just think that we need to advocate for people. We need to talk about it not being a partisan issue. You know, it doesn't need to always be, oh, those Republicans just want to take everything. They don't like poor people. That's not the case. Right. There are plenty of Republican members who care a lot about people that that struggle. So we need to, we need to get out of this divisive talk. And it's not just a Democrat issue that the Democrats. That's right give everybody something for free. That's right. This is absolutely not what that's about either. It's not a partisan issue. This is a, a human issue. So you both kind of hinted at this already, but I want to ask anyway, um, what's so gratifying about doing this? I love being involved in politics, but be rooting for the good guys and be there for the greater good. You know, it's making a difference. It sounds so cliche, but it really does make a difference. And it's one of those things I don't think I don't think you can understand until you work in that kind of a sector. Um, it really does make a difference in your daily life. And of course, the people that you get to work with get a thousand times better. For sure. <laughs> well, we have one of our children that that was in the campaign who I don't know if you remember this picture, Josh, but it's this little boy and he's looking out over the water and, and it says, I am Medicaid out beside it. He's not holding a sign. It says it out beside it. And Evie got a phone call from that mother and she said, I noticed that you have my son Micah's picture up, um, that you've been using that on your, on your materials. And Evie's like, Oh goodness, I hope she's not offended by that. Or I hope everything's okay. And she said, actually, no, I'm calling to let you know he passed away oh. a month or so ago. And she said, the things y'all are doing are so very important. And she said, if you need me to come to Montgomery and speak, I am more than happy to do that. And you use my son's image however you need to. Wow. So it's just, that's very powerful. Even I don't usually get to have those interactions with the people that we're trying to help. 
help. So that really has given us the momentum to really push this campaign further and further. So if someone is listening to this and they want to do what they can to help, not just the I Am Medicaid campaign, but I mean, Alabama Children First, what would be the best way to support you guys? They can go online to alabamachildrenfirst.com and donate online. They can do it the old-fashioned way and call me on the phone and talk to us and say, hey, what exactly do you do? I heard your program, and I think it's interesting, and I'm interested in talking to you about a possible donation, and I can, I'll can i go talk to somebody anywhere, anytime they want, if they want to know more about us before they're willing to um, put their dollars forward to help our mission. But we definitely depend on donations. That's That's how we live. That's how we continue this work. What makes Children First different and so hard to fundraise for sometimes is because we don't provide that physical service to children that, you know, something tangible. Right. It, it just presents more challenges, which always just makes you stronger. But it is sometimes a little bit hard, which is why things like this. It's great because it allows us to tell our story more in depth. What about on social media? Where would be the best place to follow you? Facebook at Alabama Children First and Twitter at Alabama Children First. And I am Medicaid on both Twitter and Facebook. And there's IamMedicaid.com, right? And it is, yes. For that website, yep, IamMedicaid.com. And like Chrissy said, we have our toolkit up now. So any state that wants to recreate this, there's an easy-to-follow easy to toolkit right there. It's not hard. The whole campaign is very simple for a reason. I'm so excited for both of you. We're excited too. It's been pretty cool. Yeah, it really, it really has. It's been, I mean, yeah. and especially if it's changing people's minds. I mean, I do think it is. Don't you, Evie? I do. I, do. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that have changed their mind, but I do think because I have people come up to me and say, I am Medicaid, like making a joke and like <laughs> doing the thumbs up and being funny. But it's like, that's because they've seen it, you know, and they get it. And even if when people joke about it, you're like, uh-huh, I got that means you. they're accepting of it, or at least yeah. you know, they, they get they get it and they support it in some way. That's right. That's, That's right. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's definitely been an exciting time. Talking with Christy and Evie reminded me of something that Cherie Spielman said to me back in episode 33 of this podcast. People need help where they are, not where we want them to be. With public health care in particular, it bothers me how often we try to force conditions on those who need our compassion the most, as if someone should behave a certain way before they're allowed the dignity of our help. I don't want to live in a society like that, and I know you don't either. And that's why people like Christy and Evie need our support. The next time you hear about the problems behind Medicaid or Obamacare or healthcare in general, think about Alabama Children First and the I Am Medicaid campaign. Christy and Evie probably put in some long hours in Montgomery and Mobile today, all because they want to reach those who could use some compassion where they are. Before you shut this episode off, take a time out and visit IamMedicaid.com. Look through the photos and stories on the site. Those are the living, breathing people who rely on Medicaid, not the stereotypes that you hear about on the news. Even better, tell your friends and family about it and maybe share the link on social media. It's like Evie said, healthcare isn't a partisan issue, it's a human issue. So let's work on changing how we think about it and how we talk about it. This has been The Plural View. I'm Josh Morgan, and the show's website is pluralview.org. That's all for now. Thank you for being kind today. Take care.